Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 78 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have a fantastic guest for all of you today. Geoff Anderson, welcome to the show. Hi, Esty. Thanks very much for having me. I am so excited to have you. Guys, Geoff Anderson has been doing video to build businesses since before most people even knew what a camcorder was, I feel like. Okay, not that long, but let's just give you a little bit about his, his background. Um, he has owned and operated Sonic Site, a video production facility in Sydney, Australia since 1993. And he's worked on productions throughout Australia, New Zealand, and Singapore, and the US. And he's both the video producer, cameraman, editor, director, and scriptwriter. Uh, but his background is in science, majoring in biochemistry and pure mathematics. You can see why I'm already excited, right? We've got like another really fun brain to hang out with today. Um, just everything, everything about you is fun. Like, I'm just going to read you little bits of his bio because it's like, there's just so many fun things in here. Um, when he was uh, realizing that science was not necessarily his thing, he headed overseas and spent two winters skiing in France, somewhere in between working in Corsica. And during that time, he was paid to water ski, windsurf, scale, scuba dive, pour beers, drink beers, drive around, grow watermelons, and occasionally electrocute himself. So I'm not even going to keep going. There is so much here. He's been a radio announcer. Um, he's got two children, Cassie and Max, uh, with his blended family, his wife, Kelly, and her three children. And we're just going to talk about everything business, everything video success, everything, everything. Jeff, I'm excited. There's so I don't even know where, I almost don't know where to start, but I do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you work that out, Esty. There's, there's a bit there to unpack, I suppose. Yeah, I, I, I tell you what I want to start. I kind of want to start by saying, in 1993, what possessed you to do something with video? Like today, everyone's trying to do something with video, right? But we had no real, there's no internet in 1993. Videos were things on VHS cassettes they had to schlep around and bring places. Like, what, what, what were you doing? And your science major, you were water skiing and electrocuting yourself with watermelons. How, what were you doing? It has been an interesting journey. Um, look, I fell into it with a mate of mine who actually had a television background. I didn't. I, I didn't know anything about video at the time. And he uh, and I started a business. Uh, we were doing video productions. We were also doing events. And, uh, yeah, it just evolved over time. So I was following his lead a lot of the way. And then over time, I just got more and more hands-on. And I actually went through this stage, which possibly a lot of um, business owners do, of just feeling like a bit of a a bit of an imposter because I was um, making these videos without any qualifications, without any history in, in making it, but having been doing it, you know, for like 10 years at that time and thinking, well, you know, who am I to be making these videos? And I thought, well, wait a minute, I've been doing this so long now, I could probably teach people how to do this. So although I haven't got a university qualification or a TAFE qualification as I have over here, I thought, uh, well, maybe I need to just accept the fact that I actually do know what I'm doing uh, and just kept going at it. Um, in those days, we were making corporate videos. We were making highlights of events. We were doing some school videos back then. Um, and it just, uh, it just evolved to a point where actually we, we then bought our own edit suite. 
because originally when we started, uh, a cheap non-linear edit suite cost about $100,000. And a, oh um, a, uh, the camera you used to carry around had a, a, a box that was a recording deck, which would be, ca- would be connected with like an umbilical cord to the actual camera. So it was a two-person <laughs> shoot. Um, of course, these days it's a lot easier. So, yeah, it, it evolved over time and I just got more and more into it and just taught myself on the, on the fly. I think probably a, a big turning point for the business um, was back in about 20, 2012 when I wrote my first book. Um, and that was when I think everybody else was starting to just start to wake up to the power of video. And so I wrote a book about how to make videos called Shoot Me Now. Um, and that was a, and I that was a really good time to be doing that because it was positioning me, me above all these newcomers that were just coming onto the market. I was very much sort of somebody who did have the experience, having been doing it for twenty odd years at that point. Um, and then I was able to yeah position myself as a bit more of an expert than everybody else. I like that. Um, and again, just thinking about the barriers to entry, and I always talk about how now is just the absolute best time in the in the world to start your own business. Like the barrier to entry is so low. And you think about someone who wants to start a video editing business now, they either pay no money or like a couple hundred dollars for some online video editing suite. Um, and you know, when you wanted to start back then, you were looking at a six-figure investment to kick it oh, off. Absolutely. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, you know, kids are able to have global small businesses while they're still at school, you know, just using their phone. It's, it's an exciting time. It's, you know, for the age of the entrepreneur, it's very much arrived. And yeah, there's, totally. if you want to do it, there's, there's, you can do it. Totally. There's nothing stopping you. One of the things that I also want to want to bring up is one of the things you wrote in your, um, we were discussing, not written, but before we started was that you purposely built a small business so that you could have that lifestyle balance. And that's something that all our listeners know I'm a huge believer in. Um, so tell me a little bit about that. Cause again, back then that was also like, you're, you were just, I feel like two, three decades ahead of your time right now. Everyone wants a lifestyle business, a micro business. Then everyone wanted a giant company. Cause if you didn't have that, you were nothing. Um, so how did you come to that? Well, I think it all comes down to the individual definition of what success is. So for other people, you know, that may not be appropriate. They may want the, the challenge and the excitement of building a big global business. For me, my priorities were, well, why am I doing this and what's important to me? And it was, you know, my relationships, my children. So it was, okay, I want to actually enjoy the ride. I've seen people well, and heard of people who have, you know, retired and then the next day or the next year have dropped dead. And it's like they've been working all their life to have this retirement. And then when it comes, they don't enjoy it. So and I think possibly, you know, because of my father, he had his own business, but he, he certainly enjoyed the ride along the way. It, you know, it's set a good example of, you know, life's to be lived along the way. You can't wait till you get to the end to start enjoying it. You've got to, you know, have fun, enjoy things as you go. Nowadays, if I ever travel um, to a different destination, I always try to make sure I've got a day or two at that location to actually enjoy because... Otherwise, you're going from a hotel room to job, they're back to a hotel room, they're back on a plane. It's like, well, I actually just went to an amazing city, but I didn't see it. So, yeah, you want to you want to try to make the most of it as you go because otherwise, yeah, you reach the end. It's like, oh, and it's it's the journey that matters. Totally, totally. And, and I'm sure we both know people who get to the top of Success Mountain and they just want to jump off because that's not what they thought it was going to look like. I guess another thing that, that uh, influenced that for me was um, actually be, in between skiing in France and starting the business, I was, did some work when I got back to Australia at a bank as a commercial loans officer. 
And um, you have a very now, rich work history. <laughs> I've actually done a whole podcast on my career and another for somebody else where it's all unpacked. But um, that was really useful because while I was there, I was in the process of building up my business. So I was soaking up this knowledge that I was being taught about what makes a good business that you'd lend money to. And they were teaching me things like, you know, you've got to put, um, uh, you've got to have a broad client base so that all your eggs aren't in one basket. You've got to have um, good cash flow and you've got to have um, good profit because people often look at the numbers and they're all focused on, you know, how much money they're turning over, but it's, it's the profit that matters. And so I've had opportunities over the years to grow my business and make it bigger, but I've, I've kept the reins on it. I've been a bit conservative and thought, well, is that going to actually help me? Is that going to make me more profit or is that just going to make higher turnover, more expenses, more staff, more stress, and less money in my pocket at the end of the day. And I thought, well, yeah, I don't want that. I actually want to just keep enjoying it, having fun. Um, so getting that balance right, of course, is a real challenge with all of this. You want to, you need to actually make sure you've got enough work coming in to keep it sustained. But uh, yeah, just, just manageable. Totally. So, okay, because again, it sounds like if someone had asked you, you know, when you want to grow up, like you want to be a video editor, that obviously wasn't on the list. <laughs> I'm still wondering what I want to be when I grow up, Esty. <laughs> I was going to say, you sound like with those people who like, you know, that's never a decision you're going to make. Yeah. <laughs> so when you got into, did you run other businesses before that? Or was that the first, like your first venture into entrepreneurship? I actually had a business with um, my business partner and another chap in a, in a first business that we started together. So there were three of us in it. And um, this third what chap was do? a bit, I beg your pardon? What did it do? What was the business? It did events. So it did um, uh, small business awards. And we also did a bit of video production while we were there as well, thanks to Tim's input. But Got it. the third chap, his energy was really difficult and challenging. And I remember waking up one morning thinking, I don't want to go to work because that guy's there. And I thought, what am I doing? This is my own business. Why, why am I not you know, in it if I don't enjoy it? So I thought, no, I've got to, I've got to pull the pin on this. So I mentioned it to Tim, my, my partner. And he said, um, yeah, actually, I've had enough as well. So we both left that and then started Sonic Site. So but, you know, I, I would love to pause here because I think that's something that so many people struggle with. Um, I've worked with quite a few partner businesses. Um, and a lot of people, they look at partnerships, and, and this is always the biggest mistake, right? As I'm sure you know, um, they look at a partnership as someone who's going to save them from the things that they don't want to deal with. Like, I just need a partner. I need a sale. I'm not a salesperson. So I need a salesy partner. I'm not a numbers person. I need a numbers partner. They're basically like, I'm bad at this. So let me find someone else who's good and just bring them in. And, and that's a, it's a good starting point if you're looking at it as a compliment. But if you're not looking at the energy and the synergy and having the same goals and visions in mind, you're just, you're in for a disaster ride. And so many people do enter into partnerships and then a certain way down the line feel kind of like you, which is, I don't, I don't want to go to work today. Like, I don't want to do this anymore not because of the work, but because of the partner. So how did you get out of it? You know, and, and very often partnerships are also, they start as friendships, right? And then you know, lose the friend or it's someone you know in the community or you're friends with their spouse, brother, sisters, dog walker, whoever. Um, and there's a lot of awkwardness. I think that would be really worthwhile to, to get your take on. Uh, are you taking me back a few years there, Esty? Um, look, it, it, was, it was just got really awkward. I mean, this guy didn't, didn't agree with, who I was going out with, he was felt he had a say on that, and it was just like, no, you really you don't. Um, and uh, look, the business that we had then was a viable business, and so we 
figured, okay, if we can exit this and get paid out our share of the business and his business can keep going, then that's, that's a win-win for everybody. We actually then found some people that could take over our roles and um, help slot those into the business so the business kept going. And it is still going. It's a, it's a very successful business that he's got these days. Um, it's just hey, wait, so just, you stepped out of it. You didn't shut it down and you didn't dissolve it. You just left it. Did you sell we got, it? We got paid out. Yeah. To, so, so that worked out well for us. Man, he could keep going with his business. Um, but what you were saying before about bringing in these partners to help, I, I had this sense of, of people who wanted to actually abdicate their responsibilities in, a, you know, in the bookkeeping area or a sales area. Pretty much. Make somebody solve it. And that's really risky. You, Delegating is great. That's where you keep an eye on it. You manage it. But abdicating it and saying, just do it for me, that's when you get a whole, whole you know, head of worries there where, you know, totally. you're not keeping an eye on it. You're not monitoring it. And then you you find one day that, you know, the, the bookkeeper's taken all your money or the salesperson's taken all your clients. And, you know, you've got to, you've got to manage the process along the way as well. Yeah. And I've seen real stories like that, crazy, stories that I almost wouldn't believe if I hadn't seen them myself. Um, and, and people do it in one of two ways, right? So they'll say, I, need, I just need someone to do it for me, right? And they'll advocate responsibility sometimes to an employee. Um, and, and the worst is when they, they basically look for a partner because they really want an employee that they don't want to pay. Like that's essentially when they, that's, that's what they mean. And that's never how you look for a partner. A partner is not an employee that I need that I don't want to pay. <laughs> It's no. not what a partner really is. And those are always answers. So I like that. And I, I like that strategy of just, you know, you just decided like this was not for you. You, I guess you just had a conversation where you offered a tent, said, listen, we're, I don't want to do this anymore. Do you want it? Do you want to buy us out? Enjoy your business. Bye-bye. Basically, that, that's where it got to. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, then we just, you know, got the accountants involved, came up with a price and it was fine. We, we got paid out and we walked away. Love and it. Started Sonic site the next, the next month. Yeah. So tell me about this. So this is the video business and this has kind of been your main thing since then, right? Evolving, obviously now, I don't think you're still standing out there with, you know, 50 ton cameras. Um, but tell me a little about this, this business journey. Yeah. So it's, it's evolved over the years. And, um, I, for a long time, I was, doing doing works the whole broadband of clients because I was thinking of you know what I learned at the bank that you know it's important to have a broad client base um, and so I really struggled to niche because I felt like that would be challenging that concept and that might be dangerous but I finally after a long time have managed to find a niche which is working really well for me and so I'm working a lot with private schools these days and the reason Aww. this is working is because Firstly, they have bad budget. They're, they're a $50 million operation, a lot of these schools. They're turning over a lot of money. Um, secondly, there's, there's a lot of them. And thirdly, they need content produced. They need video content, quality video content. They're trying to attract, you know, high-paying clients to come send their students, their, their children there. So it just took me a while to find it. Now, the other reason why this is working, and this is uh, – I'm able to also get in, embedded with an association that has all of those marketing managers from those schools in it, which is my pot of gold basically for my clients to, to attract. So I think if you can find a niche, which virtually, and it's, it's easy to find niches, but you want one that's going to be able to afford your services because 
it can be really tempting to say, oh, well, I can, I can provide my service to these people. But if they don't have the budget to pay, you know, the high-end money that you want or you need to actually grow your business, that's not a good niche. So think about a, an, an organized, um, a group that have the, the value. And then if you can find an association that has those people in it, then you're also going to be able to um, really tap into more and more of them and get more and more engaged with them. And the third thing that's happened that's made it really um, successful for me is I've developed these packages which I'm able to offer these clients. So I've been going for years just selling one video at a time, hopefully having a repeat client, which I have, they're coming back. But generally, it's been a constant treadmill of getting more and more one-off clients. And what I've developed now is an annual contract for these schools where they buy 6, 12, 20, 40 videos a year and they're paying a monthly retainer. So that's just turned my business around. I've only done that in the last few years. So after 25 years or 26, 27 years, how many of these these days, of running this business, it's only now really got to the point where I feel like it's flowing. So, you know, I'd be happy to share this advice to your, um, your listeners because this has been a real pivot for me, for my business, where I've now got regular clients, I've got them on annual contracts, I'm getting them paying me monthly. So... Even when we're not doing work for them, July over here was the school holidays. There wasn't a lot of production going on, but the bills were still going out and still getting paid. So, yeah, by packaging up what we offer in a different way and offering them as a, you know, buy it off the rack, it's just made it really easy. And what also has worked really well with it is understanding, I've, I've basically got, a, got rid of a whole lot of the jargon about, oh, we're going to provide this service, and we're going to do this, and we're going to give you this value, and blah, blah, blah. They just want to know how many videos they're going to get in a year. That was kind of, at the end of the day, that's what they're interested in. So understanding what your client is actually buying, because it's so often not what you're selling. Um, you know, you're thinking, I'm adding all this value, I'm doing this and I'm doing all this, and you're talking about what you do. Really look back and work out, now what is it actually that they want? And when you can get to the core of that, it can simplify the whole purchasing process. 100%. This is what we do. So I have a course called Marketing Magic. That's literally what we do. Like we go to the core, build out the audience based on the core, build out positioning, the actual product, the price. Like this is, should have given you my course 25 years ago, but I was in elementary school. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm not that young. Wait, where's that 25 years ago? No, yeah, I think I was. Yeah, something like that. High school, maybe. Um, no. Anyways irrelevant. Um, but I think that's so valuable on so many levels. First of all, the transition and the lesson there, but also so many people feel like they always have to be at that end of the road of perfect success right away. Mm. And the fact that you can come out here and say, you had a successful business for 25 years that, you know, you didn't find that niche, that sweet spot for that long and it still worked and that's okay. Yeah. You know, it, you find your place whenever you do. So for 25 years, you were, you were constantly having to get new clients. Like what, like how did that work? Well, we, we also were lucky that we had, we, we also ran events. So um, with Sonic Side for, for a long, for the first sort of 20 odd years, we were still doing event production and we had some regular annual clients there that had big conferences that had big dollar value that were like a third of our income for our company. So Okay, so you had some recurring clients. Yeah, we did. We certainly did. And we also had a lot of repeat clients. Um, So, but it was just, you know, a constant grind, a constant, you know, getting out there, marketing, getting people, you know, through the door. Um, 
And nowadays I've got the school market, which is about 50% of my income. And I still got, you know, corporate clients and government clients, which, you know, cover the rest of it. But I've still got to um, market to those to keep them coming in. And I've still got to market to the schools as well all the time. So what do you do for your marketing? How do you get them in? So with the schools now, because I've got so much more clarity, and this is the other thing about when you can get clarity about your niche and really know who it is. So for me, it's private schools in Sydney. And so, and ideally they're on the North Shore, which is sort of an area of Sydney. So it makes- How many private schools do you have on the North Shore of Sydney? Well, there's, there's probably about 30. Um, That's a lot. And then, but in Sydney or all over, there's probably about uh, maybe 200. Um, okay, that's a lot. That's definitely enough to keep you going forever. So, so that's why, you know, and I've got, I've got about eight of them on these annual contracts at the moment. I'd like about 12, um, 12 or 16 would be great. Um, and so it's just a, the marketing I do now is I actually look at a school that I'm interested in. I go on a LinkedIn and find out who is the um, marketing manager there or the comps person. And I ring that person because you know, doing all the social media marketing and stuff is great, but I see that a lot of the time it's just people being busy, thinking that they're, you know, it, it is important. And I, I have somebody who does a lot of that for me. But really, when I want to get um, to a particular client, I pick up the phone and I ring them and I don't get through. So I diarize it and I ring them again later. And then I finally get through and then I send them an email and then I follow them up and I keep keep talking to them. So you know, sometimes it can be a slow burn. And, you know, one of the ones I'm talking to at the moment, you know, they want to start with one video to, I guess, test the water, which makes perfect sense. And then hopefully I can convert them into one of our annual clients afterwards. So for me these days, I sponsor this conference, this organization that's got all of these marketing managers and fundraising managers from these schools in it already. So that means I've got access to them. Um, And it also helps my credibility and brand because I've, um, I've, I'm supporting them. Uh, but yeah, it, it's mostly, it's about picking up the phone and directly trying to speak to the person I need to speak to. Got it. I like that a lot. Again, that type of focused marketing, cause you don't need money. You just need a strategy, right? And so many people, they just, they spray and pray and they throw their money out there and then it's just wasted, which makes me nuts. And just knowing who you're looking for, then knowing how to find them, how to reach them, reaching them, telling them what you do for them that they want. And that's really all it is. And yeah, that can be worth a $30,000 phone call if you can get through to that person. So for sure. It just, it just saves a lot of time and uh, it's so much more effective. Totally. So can you give us some video tips? Because what you do for these corporations and for the schools is you build them videos for their marketing. Wait, now I have a random other question. Why don't you do video marketing for yourself? <laughs> like you're a video marketing company. Why are you not shipping out videos about how cool you are? Um, I do occasionally create video okay. content, but I, I don't do a lot of it. Um, I'm quite comfortable in front of the camera. That's not a problem. Um, and when I've got something to, to talk about, I do. Uh, but yeah, as I say, for me at the moment, the, the strategy is just jump on the phone and speak to people directly because that's going to get me a better outcome than sending out videos every month and to every, to everybody doing broadcasting. What I'm doing is this narrow casting, narrow focus. Like I want to get onto that school. So I'll ring them and speak to them at, you know, at the same time, I do have content going out online. Um, there's not a lot of video, uh, content. I mean, 
the, the I think probably the challenge I've had with Oresti is that as a video producer, I don't want to be putting out um, this casual phone content because I feel like my brand needs to be positioned as a high quality video production. So therefore it's not okay for me just to be doing the, the casual stuff that other people can get away with because they're not positioning themselves as video producers. So Percent. that's put a little bit of a, um, a handbrake on it for me. Totally. Um, and there are now, I'm saying, I'm sure you know this, but there are so many little micro companies online that make you fancy videos. Like you just mm -hmm. hand them some raw content and then they splash it together. Although I don't know if that would make any sense if you are the video editing company. Never mind. I hear that. It would just be a bunch more work. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you are making marketing videos for these corporations and schools. What does that look like? And what would your average you know, small business owner need to know about leveraging video for their own success? Well, funny you should ask that because that's just what my new book is all about. So, awesome. um, I actually didn't know that, by the way. That was not a purposeful plug, guys. I know that Gian has a new book. I did not honestly know what it was. So that was not on purpose. What does it say? Watch me now. Oh, I like that. I like these double entendres, right? Like, shoot me now, watch me now. Very cool. Yeah, so Shoot Me Now, the first book, was all about how to make videos. So that was, you know, 2012 when people were starting to wake up to the power of video. So I thought that was a useful resource then. So I unpacked 20 years of experience into that. And it really did unpack, you know, the things you need to know if you are making videos. Watch Me Now, leveraging videos to maximize your return on investment, is what to do with that video once you've made it. Because what I saw a lot of clients doing is, you know, we'd make these awesome bits for them and they'd, they put it on their website, they put it on some, you know, on their YouTube channel and get like 20 views. And I'm thinking, no, 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 no. This is a really good video. You need people to see it, but they weren't showing it to people. So um, in this video book, I unpack the, the strategies you need to think about. Firstly, when, you, when you're making your video, why are you making it? What are you actually wanting to achieve from it? And people go, oh, I want to get views. And it's like, no, no, no. What do you, yeah, but that's not the, what you're trying to achieve. You actually want something as a result of views, don't you? So, you know, you want them to visit a website or to download a brochure or to book for a course or to donate some money or to, you know, sign up for your company or whatever it is or make a phone call. The more clear you are about that, then it's easier then to manage that, to monitor it and to measure it. So, um, yeah, this book is all about, you know, how to, first of all, be clear on your, on your purpose, what you're trying to achieve, and then different ways to share your videos so that it gets out there to the marketplace because, um, there's, you know, people go, oh, I can't do a video yet because we're just rebuilding our website. And I said, no, no, the website's one way to share your video. I've got 30 here. You know, there's a whole lot of other ways you can get your, your content out there. So, um, yeah, it's just getting people a little bit more, thinking a little bit more strategically about their video productions and what they do with them. Because, yeah, just having a video is step one, but actually getting people to watch it is step two. I like that. Can you tease us? What are some of those 30? Because, like, okay, you've got website, you've got all the social media channels, you've got private screening and you've got other actually private screening, I, talk, I talk about that because I've got a client who does that really well. Um, they, they're one of the school clients and what they do is they have um, uh, these, these tours where they bring people in and they go and um, take them through the school and then they get them in an auditorium and they show them three of the videos that we've made for them and they just, slam them with um, this content where they've got them captured and they just they just convert them. They've just got this really beautiful system where they just 
come in and they've got them captured and they just have a great success with it. So that's one of the great ways where you can do it, where you've got them in your, in your room and they're not going to uh, go anywhere. Yeah. But so I like that, but I've just listed like five where, what are the other 25 or I've some got, of them? I've got to, I've got to look at my book. Wait, I'm trying to find the right page. <laughs> it, it's five o'clock in the morning here. Um, I've got to find the right chapter. Yeah, guys, Jeff's awesome. He literally woke up at five so he could come talk to you. So you can just all say thank you. He'll, thank he'll get you. the energy. <laughs> uh, well, well I'm hopefully, hopefully I'm, I'm sounding energetic. Um, so where, which section is <laughs> Yeah, so um, one of the other ways you can do it is obviously if you've got somebody who uh, you've interviewed who's got, you know, a bit of influence, get them to share it because it's not just up to you to share it. But if you've got other people, you can leverage them, leverage your community. So you've got other friends and family or whatever, or, or influencers, get them to share it around as well. Um, okay. You know, obviously you've got the social media platform. So I, I break those down into, um, into individual ones. Um, okay. One of the ones I love is just putting it in your email signature. So if, ah, you know, that's a nice one. I like that hack. Every time you send out an, uh, a video, every, an email, you know, you've, you've got a link to your video. You can put a thumbnail in there as well. They can click on it. If it's a YouTube link and they're sending it out to, um, you know, in Gmail or, or Google Apps, it's going to open up in the um, email itself. So that's really, um, that's really easy. Um, obviously, you need to put it on your website. Um, leverage it. I'm trying to think which section I'm reading at the moment. Uh, <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, you can have it on Vimeo as well. So it's not okay, just... Well, people uh, find it there. Like I know, so Vimeo, I look at more as like just a storage vehicle to... to well, it is, but it, it. from there, you can share it as well. So right. You're, you're right. YouTube is much better for a search result. Um, yeah. Vimeo is a, is a, a cleaner look for your videos as well. So it's good for embedding on your, um, your website yeah. or sharing it with other people. Um, and there's, you've got a bit more control these days with Vimeo than YouTube because YouTube are now making you watch other videos at the end of it. Whereas with Vimeo, you can direct people a little bit more what you want them to do with it. Totally. Well. I mean, I'm obsessed with Wistia. I just find the interface so much cleaner, so much better, um, yep. even though Vimeo is so much cheaper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, Wistia does come with a price tag. Um, Very Vimeo's got some, some nice um, measurement uh, things. One of the other things that I recommend people do is use it before a meeting. So if you're going to meet somebody, you've booked it in the calendar a couple of weeks ago and the day before you're thinking, oh, I hope they remember that we're meeting tomorrow. Um, you can send them an email the day before and say, hey, look, I'm really looking forward to catching up with you and talking about, you know, your problem, whatever it is. Um, here's a little video which gives you a little bit of explanation about what we do and how we do it. Uh, and that positions you then as somebody who's organized or so it enables them to do their research on you because they actually want to know oh, who is this person I'm meeting with and what do they do again? You make it easy for them. You show them. You say, look, this is who we are. Um, and it means when you attend the meeting, you don't need to be talking about yourself because they've already got that information now. You can really be present to them, what their problems are, and really listen and pay attention and then solve their problems for them. So that's a way to um, yeah, get, get on board with them. Another cool thing you can do is those LCD brochures. Have you seen those, those video brochures? Yes, those are so cool. I don't have yeah. one yet, but it's on my list of things to get. Yeah, no, they're not the cheapest thing, but if you've got somebody that you really want to watch your video, you know, they're a high value client, but you can't get through Send the, the gate. Physical, 
And yeah, these guys, these are so cool. If you look online, you just look up video brochure um, or video box. It's it's a box or a brochure. It almost looks like a like a cool um, birthday card, like fat. And in it is a tiny little video player. It's got a little LCD screen in it. Yeah, yeah. and you can load the video so onto cool. it. I um, love that. What I love about that, you know, you put that in, a, in a, a big envelope, handwritten address on the front of it, make it personalized to the CEO of this company that you want to get to. They're going to get that video. They're going to watch it because it just feels too valuable to dismiss. They appreciate the effort that's gone into it and they'll open it up even for, you know, novelty value. And that's where you can get to that person that you couldn't get through with the gatekeepers and the, you know, the PAs and stuff that won't get you through. So that's a, a good way to do it. Um, also, you can use it for, um, you know, you have an FTP transfer, so you can send it from Hightail or uh, what are they, um, you know, WeTransfer and Google Driver, all those places. So just sending it out online. People, yeah, you can actually send the the MP4. This is great. Put it on. I love this. Okay, I believe there are thirty. I believe you. <laughs> and we'll we'll make sure everyone has to go buy the book to get the rest of them. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this.